On today's show, we have JP Richardson, the CEO of Exodus. Exodus is a secure, user-friendly crypto wallet and exchange where you can store, manage, and trade all of your blockchain assets in one place. JP, welcome to the show. Thank you. Joe, thank you for having me here today. Awesome. So for our listeners, what is Exodus and why don't we maybe start exactly at high level? What is it and what does it do? Exodus, is, you, as you mentioned, is the easiest place for a person to manage a portfolio of crypto assets. 2.8 million people trust Exodus to keep their crypto secure. And in a time where a lot of centralized custodial platforms have declared bankruptcy, managing your keys, controlling your keys is now more important than ever. And they can do that all with Exodus. And we definitely have seen that through the centralized yield providers this year, right? Where there's a lot of crypto locked up at the moment and not able to get access to. Yes. You know, how did Exodus start and how long ago and kind of what was the initial problem you guys seen in the market? Yeah. So I, I had a company back in 2014. The, the name of the company was Coinbolt. And I asked myself, how can I make a difference in this ecosystem? And I, I started out with making an easy to use Bitcoin wallet. What I found was is that I, I went out to a meetup in San Francisco and I was pitching people Coinbolt and somebody came up to me and they're like, JP, Coinbolt looks like a five-year-old designed it. And I'm like, I know it doesn't look very good. And I realized at that moment in time too, it was just very clear. I don't have the design chops, the design skills. My background is an engineer. And so I teamed up with Daniel Castanoli here in Nebraska in 2015, who he has design experiences with Nike, Louis Vuitton, Apple, BMW, uh, to name a few. And so he has that expertise in design and creativity. And so we thought to ourselves like, okay, at this moment in time in 2015, a lot of people are building mobile wallets. Nobody at this moment in time has built a desktop wallet that you can download on your Mac or Windows or Linux computer that is easy to use to manage your portfolio of crypto assets and allows a person to swap or convert from one asset to another asset. So in other words, if you have Bitcoin and you want Ethereum, you can do just an easy swap inside of Exodus. Nobody had done that on the desktop at that moment in time, and that's where we started in 2015, I'm going to add one more thing just because I think it's going to be interesting for your listeners. We started this company here in Nebraska. And if you can imagine building a tech company in Nebraska with, we don't have a big population here. It's just, you know, a lot of cornfields and football is really all we have here. And so we knew that to think about a company in the future, pre COVID, we're going to have to build a remote only company. And so we started remote only. We pay 100 percent of our salaries in Bitcoin. And today we have almost 300 people. So uh, I know I just threw a lot at you, but that's kind of how we started and, and, and where we're at. Awesome. So it sounds about as crypto native as you can get, right? Yes. 300 people. Are you guys all across the whole entire globe, I assume? Yes, all over the world. In fact, more than 50% of our employees are outside the United States, so so all over the world. And how are you guys attracting that talent? I see, you know, there's obviously a lot of sometimes depending on what part of the cycle we're in, it's hard to attract the right talent or at least cost effectively and providing the right benefits and so forth. Yeah, so early on it really started with since I'm I'm an engineer, I have a bunch of open source projects on GitHub. 
And so I started meeting and other engineers and developers on GitHub. And I, you know, developed relationships with them over the years. And I say, hey, I'm working on this company. We're going to build this wallet called Exodus. Do you want to help us out? Do you want to work? And in some of these, these people are, you know, in countries outside the United States. And so for us to scale fast, we could just easily say, hey, will you accept Bitcoin? And do you want to join us? And, and a lot of times we're like, yeah, I'll accept Bitcoin. And we could get started right away. So that's how it started early on. As we acquired customers, then our customers would go to our website, exodus.com forward slash careers, and then they would see all the jobs available. And so a lot of it was really inbound interest in how we, we've attracted a number of people. Has there been any hesitation in getting paid in Bitcoin over the years? No, no. I mean, yeah, before, like you, you have to accept getting paid in Bitcoin to work at Exodus. So we have lost out on candidates Early on, there were some executive roles back in, in like 2019. I remember we were hiring our very first CFO and the recruiter we had, he's like, hey, JP, I've got this person. I think this person is going to be really good, but this person will not accept Bitcoin for a salary. And I said to I'm like, no, this is non-negotiable. You have to accept Bitcoin to work at Exodus. And part of it also has a filtering effect because we only want the mission-driven individuals to join us. So most of the time, it, it's not an issue, but that was an early example. These days, I think most people realize that wherever you live in the world, Bitcoin is a highly liquid asset. So you just got to sign through an exchange and it's, it's really that simple. So these days, it's not that much of a trouble for people. And so who is the leadership that is currently you know, driving the changes in development at Exodus? So as I mentioned, my co-founder, Daniel Castanoli and, and myself, are the primary, the founders of the company. And we have a, you know, just like any C-suite at, at the company, we have individuals from all over the world that are, are in, in leadership. But what's cool about this, so like our, our VP of customer service, she's from Singapore. And so given that, that you know, she's from Singapore and then we, she can bring a perspective. And, you know, one of the things we'll talk about later is how we think about customer service. And so she can add that element of bringing the best customer service to Exodus. So we just have a number of people from all over the world. Most of our leadership team, though, is from the United States. Can you mention 300 people? How is that divided amongst, you know, what aspects of the project are you developing? It sounds like a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, so we're all, yeah, just about 300 people. And most of those people, as I mentioned, customer service, about 100 people or so. Then after that, the product group, which would include creative engineers, product people, that is about 70 to 100 or so, give or take, when you include like DevOps and security as well. And then the, the remaining people are the admin functions, marketing, finance, and, and other functions of, of the company. All right, so let's break a few of those down anyway. I mean, you know, when it comes to product, how are you guys taking the feedback of the, you know, customers out there and developing your app? So most of the time, feedback comes through when customers write in, you know, via, we, we have a, a customer service platform called Help Scout. So people will write in and, you know, again, we have those 100 or so customer service people that can help inside the company and they take feedback from the customers that write in. In addition, standard channels that you would expect. Reddit is a good source of feedback. So we have a subreddit with over 20,000 subscribers on there. And so we'll get people that will write in there and say, so for example, <laughs> there was a Monero hard fork that happened a week or two weeks ago. And 
unfortunately, our team did not have the resources just ready to go just yet. We did not get the Monero hard fork in Exodus in time. We, we let our customers down in this regard. And, and if you go to our, our subreddit, you will see nonstop posts about Monero not working and which wallet can people use to get Monero working. And so this just really demonstrates feedback from customers, how we let them down and how we, you know, essentially internally, we're like, we can never let this happen again. We have to be prepared again. So Reddit's been a good source. YouTube's been interesting as well. We have over 124,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel. So on our videos, we get feedback. Now, most of the feedback is related to the videos, but you will see feedback from time to time about certain features and stuff. So there's been, you know, standard channels where, where people provide us with feedback. So currently when people download the app, what are the, all the different functions that they can expect out of it? So today, Exodus has three apps. We have a mobile app, which is on iOS and Android, as you'd expect. Then we also have a desktop app, which is on Mac, Linux, or Windows. And then finally, we just recently released our Web3 wallet, which is a browser extension. So the functionality is going to be different for all three. So we'll just kind of start with the mobile wallet. So the mobile wallet, this is the product that has most of our customers today using it. So this is a wall, a product where somebody's gonna, they're gonna download it. They heard about the chaos with some of these centralized exchanges and platforms. And they're like, I want out, I want out. I wanna use a different product where I can control my own keys, control my own wealth. And so Excess Mobile allows them to download it. They can manage their portfolio. They can buy crypto with a debit card or Apple Pay and get more crypto into their wallet. And then they can easily do swaps with their crypto. In addition to that, we recently added functionality so that people can view their NFTs on either Solana or Ethereum. And then finally, there's a service called Wallet Connect that allows a mobile wallet to interact with dApps on the dApps webpage. So that's the mobile wallet. The desktop wallet is a little bit more for the power user, the, the person that wants a little bit more of screen real estate and might be interested in hardware wallet functionality and working with the Trezor. So the benefit of this is that if for some reason you're concerned about the security on your desktop, you're worried if you're going to get a virus or malware, that you can download Exodus. And if you have a Trezor, you can use both products together and know that the keys the private keys to your coins, to your wealth, will not be on your desktop and they will exist only on the Trezor. So people like that functionality. And then finally, the browser extension, Web3 Wallet. This is the product that we are putting a lot of focus on because we believe that Web3 can have the possibility to bring utility to cryptocurrency outside of just plain speculation, which most people use crypto for, but actually utility. So the Web3 wallet today supports both Solana, Ethereum, and Algorand. And we're going to continue to add more chains because multi-chain is in our DNA. So I know I threw a lot out for you and your listeners, but hopefully that gives a flavor of the mobile, the desktop, and the Web3 browser extension. Well, maybe coming out of there is, you know, for the listeners, is who owns and controls the keys to the wallets and where are they stored? Yeah, so in all of the three products, the keys are owned and controlled by the customer. In other words, Exodus does not have access to your keys at all. 
So they are stored along with the wallet itself locally on your computer and they never leave your computer. So if people lose their keys, they lose their crypto. That is correct. That is one unfortunate fact, but because of the responsibility, <laughs> you have to save that 12 word secret phrase. It's really important. Now, we are working on some potential technology behind the scenes on making it so that a customer can download Exodus and not have to think about even saving that 12 word secret phrase. There's a there's a way that we can potentially do it locally for you on your behalf and do it so that you're safe and secure. But you'll still always have the option to view your 12 word phrase. And again, it's it's not going to, to leave your computer. So that's one of the things that we've got to solve because we believe that a 12 word secret phrase is kind of a foreign concept to somebody that's in the mainstream. Like think about your, your mom or your grandma, right? And then downloading a self-custodial wallet and it says, back up your wallet and write down this 12 word secret phrase and these weird words, you're kind of, you're kind of confused. And so that's something that we think needs to be solved. Yeah. Usually people could generate their password, like one, two, three password and use it everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And now it's, it's generated for you. And so, yeah, it's different for people. I'm thinking, you know, on our wallet, the question is always like, how much would you store on your mobile device? How safe is that? You know, with maybe Samsung coming out with something for blockchain and these different things we're hearing in the news, give us an idea of just maybe how people should go about storing their crypto, how much maybe they should have on a mobile device at one time. Like, what are some best practices here? Yeah, great question. So this is going to surprise, I think, most mainstream listeners, but the mobile device generally is more secure than your desktop. And the reason for that is because they call it sandboxing. But the way the sandboxing works in mobile to keep everything that's in Exodus, and let's say you download other apps, let's say you download a lot of games to your mobile device, those games and the code that is included with those games typically cannot break out of that game and steal your private keys from Exodus or your self-custodial wallet if you use another wallet. Whereas in your desktop computer, if you even visit a website, accidentally download something and run it, then it can completely take over your computer, start logging your keystrokes. It can snatch your password, snatch your private 12-word phrase. It can take all of those things. So that surprises a lot of people. But the reality is, is that kind of apples to oranges here in the sense of desktop versus mobile. Generally, your mobile is more secure. Now, with that being said, people walking around with their all, let's say you have a big crypto portfolio, you've been saving for years. If you have it all on your mobile, then you run the risk of, if, let's say you're out and about, you know, maybe you're in a pub having a cocktail after work or something like that, and you're looking down at, at your phone and you see your portfolio, you're like, oh, my you know, crypto sucks right now, bear market or crypto is great or whatever it is. And somebody sees that and they take your phone, your money's gone. So that is one major risk that people need to think about. So if you're the type of person that you know wants to store a lot of your wealth in crypto, the general recommendation today is that you would use the desktop wallet in conjunction with a Tracer hardware wallet. If you have the Tracer hardware wallet and you have your portfolio in Exodus with Trezor, 
and you're visiting a website and you say you accidentally download something, you run some malware or virus or whatever it is, the Trezor will keep your money safe because it's the keys are on that Trezor device. So that's generally what we recommend for people that are storing large amounts of crypto. That's a general recommendation for most people. So if you want to be a degen, just gamble or keep a little bit to spend, just do that on the phone. Anything larger, probably be best to put on some air gap machine like with a, a Trezor. Yes. All right. And so when it comes to the, the app, what pairs do you guys currently offer and how does that expand over time? Yeah. So in the mobile and desktop, we offer support for all major popular chains. Of course, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, Algorand, Binance Smart Chain, Cardano, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And that's on the, the mobile and desktop. But on the browser extension, it's just three chains today, Ethereum, Solana, and Algorand. However, we support all of the tokens on this chain. So in effect, on all three platforms, the asset support is in the thousands because of all the tokens that, that are, are supported. Now, the way that we think about this with the Web3 wallet, the browser extension, is that we have to move fast to add support for all major popular DeFi and Web3 chains because they keep growing and a lot of people are using them. I mean, like Binance Smart Chain is a very popular one. We don't have support for that just yet, but that will be coming within the next two months. And then we're going to add support for Avalanche and, and other EVM chains. So we're going to continue to add support for chains. But the end goal here is that because a lot of these chains don't have a browser extension or Web3 wallet that is focused just on that chain, and don't, maybe not only have support on the chain, that we as a company will be able to come in and, and actually be the one, the one dominant Web3 wall on the chain. And like Algorand is a, is a great example of that. Algorand does not have, before Exodus, a browser extension Web3 wallet. And so Exodus is the first to come in and add support. And so then the Algorand community, we believe, will really rally around Exodus and its offering. Do you think everyone likes that browser support or desktop because everyone's really just gambling in crypto while they're really working that remote job or what, all day long? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? That's really funny. I'm sure that early on, especially with like the rise of NFTs and stuff yeah. that that, you know, with people being at home remote. Yeah, there's probably a, a component of that playing games and things like that for sure. But long term, again, I think the promise of Web3 is utility. And I'm happy to, to give an example or two of that that really is going to be powerful for the mainstream that people just aren't really thinking about too much today. Well, let's I mean, let's hit on that, right? Because I think one aspect in crypto is that a lot of people obviously come and also go, right? And a lot of them may come for the short-term gains. And it's maybe hard to see what may happen over a five to 10 year period because they're not quite understanding that, you know, we're pretty much building software and it takes a long time. And it takes time for uh, network effects to take come into play. So give us some insights into what you see that future looking like. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, it's been said before that a lot of people will come to crypto for the money and stay for the revolution. And I think that's that's really true. And so let's just take, this is not so much Web3, but I will shift the conversation to Web3 in just a second. But if we look at like when the, the Russian government invaded Ukraine, okay? And then the Ukraine government here is on Twitter saying, hey, we'll take donations in crypto to help fund 
the resistance, right? And they raised within, I don't know, a matter of a week or two, they raised over a hundred million dollars from people all over the world to help fund the resistance. So again, that's a, a non-Web3 case, but it does signal a real use case for when, you know, if there's an invasion, you know, banking systems going down, issues, want to get money from all over the globe. That's a very powerful use case that is useful for people in, in that region. So shifting to Web3, you know, one of the use cases that is interesting to me, and a lot of people are going to be familiar with this one, is that if you go to a service like Compound Finance or Aave, and you can put your crypto up as collateral and take a loan out, um, I've heard of people actually doing that and actually putting a loan down on their house. So they can actually, instead of their crypto just sitting there, and, and again, being speculative, they actually can make their crypto have utility. And to expand upon that even more, there's a protocol that it's, it's still very early on, but I'm really interested and excited about it. But the protocol is called Zero, and it's from Sovereign. And maybe you've heard of this, but essentially what this allows people to do is it allows people to hold their Bitcoin and then Sovereign is what they're working on a, a stable coin and then take a loan out against the Bitcoin that they have effectively to themselves, to the protocol and take a loan out on their Bitcoin with their own Bitcoin holdings and not to pay any interest. They only have to pay a fee, uh, an origination fee initially on that loan. So if you consider the standard mainstream person, okay, and they have Bitcoin and the Bitcoin's just sitting there. For most people, that's how it is. It's just sitting there. If we can package it up in a way and make the user experience top-notch, and this is what Exus excels at, is making great user experiences. If we can package it up and we can say, with one click, all of a sudden, you know, you have your Bitcoin and maybe there's a slider or something like that. Maybe you've got $10,000 of Bitcoin and maybe you got to get a new lawnmower or whatever, you know, whatever it is. So you, you know, you take a $2,000 loan out on your $10,000 of Bitcoin and we can automatically link it to your bank account. That becomes really useful and powerful for the mainstream. And so we're working on these things. It's still going to take time to actually make these user experiences work really well to get the on-ramps, the off-ramps. But when they're all in place, I mean, I think watch out. I mean, watch out for the entire world, not just Exodus doing this, but there are so many companies thinking about these use cases that I think it's really going to have a fundamental difference in the world. And that's what's really excites me about this ecosystem. So for any users that are using the Exodus wallet, for any of their assets, are they at risk of any of the government bodies or anything like that? Are you guys being located in the US and how our listeners should think about that? Yeah, look, let's take a, like a recent case with OFAC sanctioning Tornado Cash. And Exodus is a US company. So we as a US company have to pay attention to OFAC sanctions. And so what that ultimately means is that being a US company and having US products, that unfortunately the reality is, is that OFAC does have jurisdiction over Exodus and what Exodus has to do. From the user standpoint, though, you know, if it's their wallet, their own keys, they have nothing to worry about if any, if the U.S. sanctions or does anything with uh, Exodus, the company itself, correct? That's correct. So let's let's say, for example, that I don't know, let's say the U.S. government decides that for whatever reason we need to shut down or close up yeah. shop or whatever it is. Maybe maybe they storm in while we're on this call and they haul <laughs> me off to jail, right? <laughs> then 
every customer, because they own the keys, because they have those private 12-word secret phrase, they can then take that secret phrase to any other wallet. They're compatible. There's a standard here. And they can just load up their funds, their portfolio in any other wallet. Awesome. So let's let's roll that into other wallets, right? Because there's definitely choices out there on the marketplace. And people probably want to know what are the differences or how they should choose one. Can you give us that? Yeah, I think it really comes down to preferences of, of support with assets and chains. But look, if, if you're a mainstream customer, you know, if you look at Exodus, you can see right out of the gate compared to other wallets, how beautiful it is. And then once you experience it, you're like, wow, this is actually really easy to use. So that's where we excel. But even beyond that, one of the keys is that if you find out you have a problem with Exodus, the great thing is, is that you can just write us any moment in time and you will find that you will get a response from us typically within less than 10 minutes, any moment in time, even on, on Christmas Day, write us and you will get a response in less than 10 minutes. And again, it's because we really believe that for cryptocurrency to go mainstream, mainstream people have to have a trusted friend that they can count on to help them on their journey. And so we don't even mind, look, maybe I, should, maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, but we don't even mind. People will ask us about competitor products and we don't have a problem. Like, yeah, if someone writes us about an issue they're having with a competitor product, if we can help, if we can be valuable, we're more than happy to do that because we think that's the start of a relationship and that's what's so important to us. So I guess next is, I'd be thinking, you know, who's going to be here still in five or 10 years, right? And who's got that product and wallet that I want to use today that'll be here in five or 10 years. So how are you guys able to sustain yourselves or be profitable or raise capital? Yeah, great question. So as I mentioned, we started in, in 2015. So as a self-custodial wallets, we are one of the, the oldest wallets. There are one or two other wallets that are older than us, but we have been around for a long time. On the note of how we sustain ourselves, Exodus makes revenue when people swap from one asset to another asset. So as I mentioned earlier in this call, if you have Bitcoin and you want to swap to Ethereum, Exodus takes a small percentage of that. As far as capital raise go goes, Exodus raised, we had a, a public offering through the Regulation A+, and this was back in April of 2021, and we raised $75 million, and we are the first company to have a crypto-only public offering. In other words, for any person, accredited investor or unaccredited investor, could come to Exodus and, and buy Exodus shares with either Bitcoin, Ethereum, or USDC. And now, we're the only company in the United States that has our stock publicly available to anybody in the United States and people beyond the United States, digitally represented on the blockchain. That's the Algorand blockchain. That's another reason why we are so excited about Algorand, because we see a future where stocks and traditional financial assets are going to come to cryptocurrency. And so this is just the beginning for us, and our stock on the blockchain is just the beginning. So people that are interested in our stock, they can just go to exodus.com forward slash investors, and you can see all of our information our financial information is public on the SEC's website. So you go to sec.gov and search the Egger file. You'll see all of our financial filings. You'll see all of our earnings calls on excess.com forward slash investors. 
And our stock is available on Securitize and T0. That's awesome. Why don't you kind of maybe give us insights into why you even went that direction and maybe tell us the things that worked and exceeded expectations and maybe some things that you would have done differently if someone else is doing it moving forward. Yes, absolutely. So the, the, the reason that we did this is because we wanted to give our customers a share in our success before Wall Street. You know, a lot of companies will go the traditional IPO route. We have the offering directly inside of Exodus Wallet. So our own customers, they download Exodus Wallet or they're already using Exodus Wallet, they it would pop up and it would say, you can be an Exodus shareholder and, and here's how. And then that's how our customers participated and actually became our investors. And we wanted to start there. In addition to that, we see a future again where these worlds are going to come together. And as we wanted to build a platform for people to do this, other companies to do this in the long term. But short term, we had to validate that we could do it first. And so that's why we went down that road. One of the challenges along the way, and this is not going to surprise a lot of people, is that we submitted the, because it requires SEC qualification. You can't just go out and do this without the SEC saying that it is a qualified offering. And so we submitted the qualification documents in September of 2020, and it wasn't qualified until April of 2021. And, and there was a lot of time along the way where there's a lot of back and forth, and then there would be periods of, of just waiting. And you would ask questions and, and you wouldn't get sometimes the clear answers that you might wish that you got. But ultimately, we were able to make it happen. But that back and forth process and the, the, the legal bills were associated with it with our <laughs> external firms. I don't remember the exact figure, but if I recall, it was, I don't know, one and a half, two, two million or so, give or take uh, in, in legal bills. So let's hit on that because that's kind of been some of the objections to let's call it maybe doing the appropriate crowdfunding routes when it comes to these crypto-like offerings, right? Because really the cost prohibitive, the paperwork, et cetera, right? So based on your experience doing it, the reggae way, the right way is the SEC would look at it versus maybe how some people are aggregating capital on chain in the last year or two. How do you maybe see that come together over the next five or 10 years? And what does it maybe look like? Well, I, look, I think that the, or, or I should say, I hope, I hope that the SEC's view on this, they offer more clarity and more maturity on this, because right now, it's my understanding, the guidance that they're giving is more in the realm of that if you want to have an offering, it's it's going to be treated as security in accordance with what they see as the Howey test, right? And so for us, again, to have a platform that is if something you know matches the Howey test, then this is what we had to do. We had to do the hard thing, right? And they say anything worthwhile doing is typically going to be hard. And so that's kind of our mentality anyway. So it's the path that we went down. But yeah, it would be great to have thresholds in place. Maybe they have exemptions that projects that are really early on, DeFi projects that need to raise some capital really fast. Maybe they have an exemption where for the first two years of operations, they can raise with up to a million or two without issues. And, now, and there are things that the SEC has carved out called Reg CF to uh, allow for that. But it's my understanding that even some of the Reg CF offerings still have a lot of challenges and a lot of legal costs associated with that. So definitely moving in the right direction. No doubt about that. Like the Reg A and Reg CF have allowed companies like Exodus and other companies to move in the right direction 
but still more work remains to be done. Yeah, I would agree. And at the pace we're going, we're not getting there anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be for sure. You know, let's uh, maybe go on to next. Like, what are you guys working on feature-wise that people can expect that may be coming up here soon? Yeah, the, our big focus, our, our big, big focus here is on the Web3 browser extension wallet and making that one of the best Web3 browser extensions in existence. So that is the big focus. And what that means is what we're going to do is we're going to add support for every major DeFi and Web3 chain. And then we're going to add support for the NFTs in the chains, for the swaps, so people can use decentralized exchanges. That's going to be the biggest piece. In addition to that, one of the things that we're really excited about is a product that we call Exodex. So Exodex today is inside of the Web3 browser extension. It's a decentralized exchange aggregator. Long term, we have plans to bring this out outside of the browser extension and make it so that if you imagine, let's say you're going to OpenSea and let's say you're going to buy, you look at a board ape and, and I don't know, maybe the board ape's on sale. It doesn't, it's not $95,000 right now. Maybe the board ape is, I don't know, maybe you find one, someone's dumb enough to list one for like $700 or something like that. Okay. And you're like, shoot. I want to snag this board eight for $700, but it requires Ethereum. I only have Algorand. What we would like to do is make it so that the DAP can accept any asset, any coin, without you even have to think about it as a consumer. In fact, you don't have to think of whether you're using crypto or not. Like you can use Apple Pay, you can use a credit card, you can use Algorand. It just doesn't matter. All that matters to you is that you get that $700 board eight before anybody else does. That's what matters most. And that what's going to power a lot of this is Exodex. So that's going to be one of the big things that we are excited about in, in the future. And do you think that integration with all the uh, existing payment providers is what's really going to bring in the next X amount of users? That's a, that's a really good question. I think it'll go a long way, but no, I think what's going to bring in the 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 next uh, the the major majority of the mainstream is really hitting on all of the web3 mainstream use cases and then linking them with the off ramps and on ramps so that somebody can download Exodus whether it's the web3 browser extension or Exodus mobile and it's all of a sudden like yeah, I want to use my crypto to take out a loan to put a down payment on my house and just like one or two clicks and it just happens and you just magically see it in your bank account. And then you can go off and, and do that loan uh, with your house. So I think those sorts of use cases are going to be able to drive the most, but I think it's still that sort of acceptance. We're still years away from that. It's very interesting. So you could see yourselves maybe integrating with these other third parties in the future to bring more services to within your app. Yes, absolutely. And and beyond that, like if we fast forward, let's say even four or five years from now, it seems that today, Google and Apple are some of the biggest gatekeepers in what happens in this ecosystem. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Exodus Mobile Wallet used to have an NFT marketplace on iOS. It still remains on Android, but it's no longer on iOS. And it's because Apple said that if you are going to sell NFTs in your wallet, you're going to have to give us essentially our 30% cut for those NFTs. And that just becomes untenable to link up to the 30% that Apple wants to take. So you have to remove the marketplace functionality. We're, I've heard of similar behavior on the Google side with different things. 
Uh, we haven't yet experienced in that same way, but Apple at least is one of the biggest gatekeepers. So that's why I'm really excited about Solana's efforts with like the Solana phone that's coming. And I think they're going to help pave the way for this ecosystem. But I think long-term, I don't think Apple or Google will embrace this ecosystem early enough because it doesn't serve their interests in terms of how they monetize and how they make money. And so somebody is going to have to build a phone and I'm really hopeful on this Solana phone. But if that doesn't play out, then something, I don't know, four or five years from now, it may be something that we get in the game. That's interesting because it's hard to visualize a world where one of those two players are not in control. Yes. And how someone else could even take that market share at what cost? Yes. Well, here, here's the thing. If you think back to, you know, let's rewind to the late 90s, right? And, and Windows is the dominant operating system by a long shot. Internet Explorer is the browser that everybody uses, right? And now Microsoft doesn't even have a phone offering with their operating system. They don't even have one, right? They don't even have Microsoft, one of the most valuable companies in the world, doesn't even have a phone offering. They can't even make that transition. So I think that that signals that uh, some of these big companies, they really miss the opportunities and, and it becomes too late because other competitors come up and they move fast. And, and I guess the, you know, another ex obvious example too is, you know, I mentioned Internet Explorer. What's the browser that most people use these days? It's Google Chrome. Yeah, so basically it could be just one killer app that makes people switch almost like Apple did with their chat, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> I, here's another thing that like, you know, a lot of people like in, in our generation will be like, ah, you know, like somebody sends you, I don't, I don't know, do you have an iPhone? Yeah. Okay. So as an iPhone user, you know, iMessage, right? You get a blue text, yep. like, you know, just, but if you get a green text, you're like, ah, what is this green text? I don't know why people in our, you know, our generation might think weirdly like that. I'm one of, maybe you don't think, I, I kind of am like, oh God because I just got so used to iMessage and all the functionality, the audio text, all that stuff. What's really interesting is that later generations, they don't text at all. They're using other messaging platforms like WhatsApp, Snapchat, Telegram. They don't give a shit about iMessage or text message. So it's more of that privacy-focused messaging that they really care about. And so there's a window here where another competitor can come in, as long as they offer Snapchat and some of these other services, I think another competitor can come in. So as we wrap up, you know, what do you see in the future here for not only Exodus, but also crypto in general over the next five, 10 years? I think if we fast forward 10 years from now, I think conceivably we have half of the world using cryptocurrency. Consider the environment that we're in, this environment of unpredictability right? It just requires one person, the Federal Reserve Chairman, to go on TV and talk about whether he's, you know, th thinks we should raise interest rates or not for the market to freak out, right? So the market is reacting to the moves of one human being, a human being that meets with a bunch of other human beings in a room. And that's how our monetary policy is created today. That unpredictability with China rising up, the Russian government invasion to U Ukraine is adding even more unpredictability. And we're going to see over the course of what's going to happen in Europe with the rising prices of fuel, and that's going to have an effect across all the world with the prices of food. So there's going to be more and more unpredictability, more and more uncertainty, more and more distrust. I'm going to give you another example, and this may feel political to people, but it's an observation that is worth people considering. So if you go back 
to the 2016 election in America, there is one side that says that the other side stole the election. Fast forward to 2020, you have the exact reverse, the opposite. One side said the other side stole the election. So distrust continues to increase all over the world. It continues to increase in America. People, when they think about like, huh, I have my money in a system that is controlled by people, or I can move my money to a system that is mathematically controlled, Bitcoin, and it is scarce. I know with certainty how much Bitcoin is going to be in the world 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now. I know how much certainty. I think the world will come to embrace that certainty in a, such an uncertain world. So yeah, 10 years from now, I think absolutely cryptocurrency will be adopted by at least half the world. I agree. And everyone needs a wallet. Yeah. So how would they get started or you know, get more info? So you just head on over to exodus.com and you can click the download link there and you just get started. Or you can actually, you can, on exodus.com at the very top, you'll see a link to our YouTube page where we have a number of tutorial videos that can help a person get started. Well, JP, thank you for coming today. You bet, Joe. Thank you for having me on the, on the show.